Yes, I was like this health nut, but at the same time, I was totally addicted to sugar. So I spent about six, seven so years working. Twenty-two tablespoons of sugar per day—that's an excessive amount, especially when you look at, you know, a can of Coke that has usually about seven. So it's this everywhere. is the Food Podcast, a Village Soundcast Network production, where personal stories are shared through the lens of food. I actually think that we should have a sweet taste in everything we eat, and I really believe that this actually helps prevent sugar cravings. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. My father had a heart attack followed by a triple bypass at the age of 48. Don't worry, this isn't a sad story. It's hopeful. He was young enough to bounce back. He had a wife and four daughters at home, and there was lots to live for. He just had to pay closer attention to the stresses in his life, his genetic history of heart disease, and he had to be open to making changes in his diet. Well, actually, it was my mother who had to make the serious changes. She was the chief cook at home and knew that diet played a huge role in the clogging of those arteries. So she enrolled in a class offered at our local hospital designed to teach people how to make low-fat meals. It was 1992, a time when fat was the enemy. She was taught that in order to keep cholesterol down, we would have to eliminate dangerous fats like lard, butter, egg yolks, and bacon. Suddenly, her tea biscuits were made with vegetable oil. So were her brownies. Meringues made with sugar and egg whites became a regular dessert. We ate oatmeal for breakfast with skim milk. When we did absolutely need eggs, we used egg beaters, those weird cholesterol-free things from a carton. She poured over labels in the dairy aisle at the grocery store. She brought home rubbery cheese for our Friday night pizza and fat-free sour cream for our lean hamburger meat tacos. And as it turns out, dads and teenage girls don't care. We stuff those hot vegetable oil tea biscuits into our mouths, down pavlovas with low-fat yogurt spooned on top, and happily drank skim milk eggnog. It was the 90s, fat was bad, but carbs were just fine. And if food tasted bad because it had all the fat stripped out of it, not to worry. Sugar was there to make everything taste good. I'm sure we all gain weight, but I was wearing big plaid shirts and secondhand men's Levi's at the time, and my mom was in shoulder pads. We all felt just fine. My mom told me the hardest part of life post-heart attack was watching my dad make poor choices in restaurants. She'd flinch when he ordered a Caesar salad with bacon bits. She could picture all that fat coating his freshly bypassed arteries. But he'd order it anyway and tell her not to worry. He was practicing moderation, something he intuitively understood. Moderation, he said, felt better than the anxiety he experienced watching her flinch. So she let him be. He didn't need a mother. And so time passed and my dad's health scares faded away. And with it went our low-fat diet. We began to eat butter again, and eggs, and we, I'm speaking collectively, make our own food. We're not into processed food as a family, but sugar, it has stayed. The sugar discussion wouldn't happen for many years later. In fact, it's just happening now. But my mom still makes tea biscuits with vegetable oil. She says it's easier, oil is always on hand, and hey, it keeps his heart fat-free. Today on the Food Podcast, I talk with two holistic nutritionists, Joy McCarthy of Joyous Health and Michelle Book from the Canadian Health Food Association. 
Together they set me straight on fat, sugar, and how to find that happy place in between. It's a celebration of good food and wellness with a side exploration into the world of moderation. Today on the Food Podcast. I have a recipe for gingerbread passed down from a great aunt. The recipe says, bake the bread in a moderate oven. The first time I made it, I looked up to the sky and cried, Aunt Alice, what temperature is moderate? Moderate, by definition, means average in amount, intensity, quality, or degree. Moderation is the quality of being moderate by using restraint, or the avoidance of extremes or excesses. I often think about moderation. It's a quality that's inherent in my father. It's something I try to practice, but it's hard when the rules keep changing, especially. What is excess? What is extreme? How much fat should we be eating? And what kinds of fat? And how little sugar should we eat? When should we banish things from our diet? And when should we just moderate? These are the questions that swirl in my head. And when I'm in the presence of people who are clearly winning at the moderation game, I pick their brain. Take Joy McCarthy, for example. I met her a few years ago when she was on a media tour for her book, Joyous Health. I was hired as her food stylist for an early morning television segment. Prepping food in the early morning is one of those not sexy, but important jobs. One where I can show up a little disheveled because it's the food, not me, that matters. The person I'm prepping for, on the other hand, who will be on camera, they usually look great, especially the holistic nutritionists whose segments are all about health and wellness. Yes, they have makeup on and are camera ready, but I've seen them in various stages, fresh out of bed, very focused pre-camera, relieved post-camera, and let me tell you, all the while, they glow. It's the kind of glow that comes from vegetables, grains, pulses, healthy fats, lots of water, and a good night's sleep. And when they're tired in the mid-afternoon, they drink green juices, while the rest of us are reaching for some moisture-sucking, caffeine-rich diuretic. Of course I know this because I ask lots of questions. I can't help myself. So back to Joy. When I met her, she was eight years into her thriving blog, Joyous Health, which she began as a side project to inspire people to live happy, healthier lives. Now she's a two-time best-selling cookbook author. Joyous Detox just came out last month, and she continues to work as a holistic nutritionist in Toronto. Needless to say, when I met Joy, her hair was thick, dark, and glossy, and her skin was fresh and almost dewy at 6 o'clock in the morning. According to Instagram, she's still gorgeous. While I was setting up, she shared her backstory with me, how she wasn't always healthy, how she suffered from hormonal imbalance in her teens and early 20s, and how medications were not making her better. She said she wasn't glowing then. Her hair wasn't always thick and shiny. There was something about the honest, vulnerable side of Joy that stuck with me. I think it's the details like these that help us understand why people eat what they do, why they are moderate, or why they cut things out cold turkey. These details also explain intentions, because they turn a lifestyle that could be criticized into something understandable and accessible. So I reconnected with Joy, 
I wanted her to share her story with me, one that wasn't always joyous. No, it was not always joyous. I had quite a few health issues, as you may have read about in my first book, Joyous Health. And I had hormonal imbalance and my hair was thinning and I had a lot of digestive problems. So it was uh, quite a struggle for quite a few number of years, kind of figuring out where to go with this. So it was in my late teens and early 20s. It was a time period where losing your hair is quite upsetting. But you know what? No matter how old you are, losing your hair uh, is quite upsetting. Joy said she had spent many years taking different prescription medications, going to doctor's appointments, seeing specialists, and she was frustrated. But then something changed. So what had happened was um, this particular day I had gone to see another specialist and the specialist wrote out another prescription for me. And so I went home and I was lying in bed that night and I was just like, tears are flowing. I was just crying. I was feeling like so hopeless. As many people who suffer from illness can relate to this. You just feel like you're not going anywhere. And I'm like, oh, another prescription drug that I'm being recommended to take. All these different drugs that I take have side effects. What am I going to do. So I literally went to sleep that night. I feel like I had an emotional detox. I woke up in the morning and I just felt I had some sort of clarity. Again, I don't know whether it was I hit that brick wall or that was the fork in the road to just be like sick and tired of following down the same path. So it was kind of like my fairy godmother spoke to me in the night or I just had like some sort of paradigm shift. I just realized that this path I'd been going down for years was not working for me. That's when the next morning I decided to start doing my own research. I was like, you know what? I am the architect of my own health. I decide what direction I go in. I build its foundation with every thought I think and with what I eat. So what I'm doing is not working. So I'm going to have to try something else. That's when I just started doing my own research. And this was before I had gone back to school to study nutrition and I was still in my full-time marketing job. So this was now into my 20s. It was that one fateful night. I don't know what happened to me that night, but I just woke up and I was like, that's it. No more. The change is going to happen now. Joy says it took a solid six months of making positive changes before she started to see an impact in her health. But it did happen. And I think it's important to note that at this point, Joy already was a healthy person. She ate well and exercised. She got her first gym membership at the age of 14. But looking back, she says it was balance that she was lacking in her life. And that imbalance was making her sick. I thought that I was very healthy. So I was like, why is this happening to me? But there was definitely some nutritional gaps in my diet. I definitely wasn't eating enough fat, good fats. And I didn't have any variety in my diet. I ate the same breakfast every day for years. I'd have my skim milk with my blueberries and my bran buds. Back in like the late 80s, early 90s, I thought that was healthy. And most people thought that was healthy. But what I didn't realize was that I was sensitive to gluten. So I remember eating that breakfast and every day wondering why my belly like expanded five minutes after eating it. You might say, oh, but you were so healthy. The average person would think that. But looking back, I I really wasn't. My diet was too narrow. I didn't have a wide variety of foods. And in some ways I was exercising too much. So it was actually when I changed my diet and I started doing different kinds of exercise, that's when my hormones started to balance because that was really what was going on. I had massive hormonal imbalance that was causing the hair loss, that was causing the anxiety and all these digestive problems I was having were caused by these foods I was eating that I was sensitive to. So here's where the notion of quitting something cold turkey makes sense. It's hard to be moderate with foods if they're making you sick. But I also wondered about sugar. 
It's easy to see that it's the bad guy in the food world right now. A quick Google search will pull up so many documentaries on how sugar is contributing to global health problems like obesity and type 2 diabetes. Sugar hides in so many foods, from granola to spaghetti sauce. So how did Joy tackle sugar? I was a total sugar addict. So yes, I was like this health nut, but at the same time, I was totally addicted to sugar. So I spent about six, seven years working in marketing, and my client was actually the company that makes Mars, Snickers, M&Ms. So every day, I would eat some form of candy at like 3 p.m. I was totally addicted to like peanut M&Ms. So I was eating like the worst of the candy you can possibly eat. And I always felt that I was just that type of person who always had to have dessert. And I kind of just accepted that as my fate, that that was who I am that I always have to have something sugary. But that's actually not true because I never eat that kind of food anymore. I just know it makes me feel so icky. It's not a guilt thing at all. It's, ugh, I don't want to ever feel that way again. It's interesting because when I look back at pictures of myself in my 20s, I look older than I look now at 39. It's amazing because sugar really does age your skin. And I was very addicted to it. Joy says the first step is having an awareness of sugar in the first place. We really don't realize how much we're consuming. Joy gets her clients to keep a food journal to not only record what you're eating, but how it makes you feel. Well, first of all, was just having awareness of it because it can be very easy to not even realize like how much sugar you're consuming. So for me, just doing a food journal and actually writing it down and then also writing down how food made me feel. So having awareness of that And then also being aware of the emotional connection, because often what I would do is I would have these M&Ms in the office. I'd come home, have a healthy dinner, and then I would be searching through the kitchen for something else sugary to eat. What is going on? For me, cutting out all refined sugars, cold turkey was the best thing to do. For people who are listening, if you do do this, it can make you feel pretty miserable for a couple of days because sugar is addictive. It promotes the secretion of dopamine. Dopamine is a feel-good neurotransmitter. This is why sugar is so addictive. So you can feel like you're going through withdrawal. I've had people tell me who have done the joyous detox and cut out sugar that they had the shakes, literally, when they cut out sugar. The best way is to do it cold turkey with refined sugar. Now, I don't say the same thing about cutting out coffee. I don't recommend cold turkey, but definitely with sugar. And then I do recommend uh, using natural sugars. I actually think that we should have a sweet taste in everything we eat. And I really believe that this actually helps prevent sugar cravings because a sweet taste gives us that feeling of comfort. And I really believe we should be emotionally connected to our food. I know a lot of people, you know, talk about emotional eating and it's such a terrible thing. I actually think it's okay. Now, I'm not talking about binge eating, but I'm talking about having a warm, comforting meal on a Sunday night because it reminds you of when you were a child and you used to have, you know, dinner with the grandmas. That's, you know, I'm speaking to my history. But it's mine too, all of ours. Celebrating life with sweet treats is how I was raised. The thought of taking that piece out of my life would be like amputating my hospitality gene. I asked her how she deals with moments like these when she's with family and cake is served. I was at my husband's aunt's house for dinner and she made this big, huge, beautiful cherry cake and she cut me a big slab of it and was putting a big schlop of vanilla ice cream on it. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, you know what? Walker will have that piece. 
cut me a piece, but like half that size. Many nutritionists would just say no, no, just say no. For me, I, I have a more moderate approach to it. Aha, there's the word moderate. Not too much, not too little, and no anxiety from taking part. But speaking of the word moderate, the other day I reached into the cupboard for dessert bowls, glass ones that used to belong to my grandmother. I had made some coconut pudding, and the bowls were perfect for it. As I spooned the pudding into the bowls, I noticed how small they were. Two dollops worth of pudding went into each glass bowl. So I thought, wait a second. Was moderation different a few generations ago? Were people slimmer then? Not just because they were farming all day or walking miles to get to school, but because their dessert bowls were teeny tiny? And don't even get my sister Lee started on dinner plates. She's an architect and sometimes designs kitchens. She says dinner plates are creeping up in size, which is really throwing off the standard architectural measurement for cupboard depth. Depth used to be 12 inches in total. The door is half an inch, the shelf inside is 11 and a half inches, which leaves the perfect amount of space for the standard 11 inch dinner plate. They used to be nine inches in the 1960s, and they've been creeping up ever since. Big plates are throwing everything off, including our food portions. Shall we start eating off antique plates, just out of principle? Okay, back to sugar for a second. I think this is important. In order to have awareness, as Joy says, you have to understand the ingredient in the first place. So what is sugar doing to our bodies anyway? Were the low-fat gurus 25 years ago actually attacking the wrong thing all along? I decided to ask another holistic nutritionist, Michelle Book, who is also the Director of Communications at the Canadian Health Food Association. I've worked with Michelle in the early mornings for live television segments, and yes, she also glows. And her hair is also dark and gorgeous. The last time she was in Halifax, we got together and I asked her to give me a little Sugar 101. How much are we supposed to have? And what exactly does it do to our bodies? I think a lot of us are overdoing it. It's recommended that women have about six tablespoons of sugar and men have about nine. Unfortunately, we're consuming on average about 22 tablespoons of sugar per day. So 22 tablespoons of sugar per day, that's an excessive amount especially when you look at, you know, a can of Coke that has usually about seven teaspoons of sugar in it. So it's everywhere. And I think that a lot of us are very addicted to it and might not even realize it. And I think that when it comes to sugar, a lot of us start our day off with a lot of sugar. We might not realize it. If you're having cereal in the morning, there's lots, lots, lots of sugar in cereal. Yogurt and granola, a lot of people think that's a healthy breakfast. Typically a lot of sugar, especially if you're buying like a vanilla or a strawberry yogurt and then you're having a store-bought granola on top of that. There's a lot of sugar. Now I'm thinking about the size of my grandmother's juice glasses. They were also tiny. Now they're three times that size. And she also had a sugar shaker, like a salt shaker, but bigger. And she shook it over pastry or grapefruit to add just a little sweetness. And no one uses sugar shakers anymore, probably because sugar is already hiding in everything. 
toast and jam of peanut butter. Again, more sugar. So a lot of those things that I think are standard things we reach for in the morning typically have a lot of sugar. And so this sugar, it spikes our blood sugar. So we get this instant spike, this high, this, you know, ready for the day, but that's all by a crash. So around 10 o'clock, that's when we start looking for the muffin or the donut or the, you know, cup of coffee with extra sugar and cream in it to get us through to lunch. And then lunch again, you know, we starting to feel that dip. And so it goes, more food, more sugar, more happiness, followed by a dip, and so on and so on. Michelle says most of us don't even realize we're on this roller coaster. She says it's this kind of habitual eating that wears on our bodies, especially our livers. Sugar is broken down in the liver, but what happens is the liver, especially if we're consuming a lot of sugar, can't necessarily keep up. And so then you get fatty liver or a sluggish liver. And this can cause all kinds of other health issues and complications. And we know sugar is related to a lot of different diseases, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, tooth decay. Sugar has such a negative, negative impact on the body. Sugar isn't meant to be a tool to lift us up when we're down. It's for celebrations, for special moments, for treats. Served on plates that fit into cupboards. It's the moments that I crave just as much as the treat itself. The sitting down for cake with a friend, the dark chocolate with tea, the sweet food that goes with celebrations. I have a friend who tackles moderation this way. If she makes the cake, she is happy to eat the cake. If it's store-bought, then she simply says... I shan't. Injecting a little humor into the situation never hurts. My sister connects the notion of moderation right back to architecture. She says most architects would rather have a client invest in a smaller but better space. Simple but very good. In the world of food, that means enjoying a beautiful piece of cake, not a McMansion-sized piece. More of a tasteful urban pied-à-terre. And in between treats, Michelle and Joy would love it if we'd fuel our bodies with goodness in the forms of vegetables, fruits, healthy fats, and proteins. In fact, I just watched Joy on Instagram making a smoothie for her family using blueberries, mango, romaine lettuce, coconut butter, coconut water, and mung bean sprouts. Who would have thought? She poured it into small cups, just enough for three people. Small, but good. And no rubbery cheese in sight. Thank you to Joy McCarthy and Michelle Book for sharing your stories and wisdom with me. JoyousHealth.com is where you can find Joy McCarthy. Now, Joy has offered to give away a copy of her new book, Joyous Detox. Just upload a photo of you eating moderately to Instagram and tag at the food podcast. We'll pick our favorite. And you can find Michelle Book through the Canadian Health Food Association, chfa.ca. It's a fantastic resource with all sorts of great recipes on there. And I'd like to take a second to thank Luke Batio, who produces and engineers the show and writes most of the fantastic music on The Food Podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Food Podcast. And why not sign up for my newsletter, where I'll keep you up to date on podcast news, share backstories from the episodes, and sometimes there'll be a recipe in there too. You can sign up at lindsaycameronwilson.ca. And as always, thanks to Jen Grant for our theme song. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson.
This was a Village Soundcast Network original production.